Hey guys, we've gathered here to discuss the quarterfinals of the Olympic men's basketball tournament. Uh, four consecutive games. It was a really intense day of basketball and I think there's plenty to discuss. I'm going to be here with Uygar and Horacio and we're going to cover all four matches and some key moments in these games. First of all, guys, uh, how did you enjoy this day? Oh my God, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> I think this was um, at least 10 days long. Um, I don't even remember the times. I don't even remember what was I doing uh, 4 a.m. in the morning when the Slovenia game started. But yeah, yeah, it was nice and fun. <laughs> I kind of feel the same. How are you, Horacio? Uh, yeah, it was a pretty intense day, of course, with uh, four games in the same in, in the same day, and uh, I was kind of directly involved with with one, you know, with Italy playing against France. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't go well for Italy, but they they played a very good game. But so, I think that overall they they were pretty good games, you know. Uh, I think that in the end, the, the four teams that will that will be playing in the semifinals, they are the strongest teams. In the tournament, so it's it's the right you know it's the right final for this tournament, I believe. Yeah, I definitely agree with you that the four teams that we have in the semis they deserve to be here, and these were the teams from the first spot in the quarterfinal draw. So they they were the favorites and they advanced. And let's go then game by game, starting with Slovenia, Germany. I don't think there is. A lot to discuss here, but still, I, I want to touch a few points. Uh, well, first of all, it was an early morning game. So these 10 a.m. games can be tricky at times, right? And I, I I was thinking how will Luka Doncic feel playing so early in the morning, but it did not seem to be a big problem for him, neither for his teammates. Um, to me, in this game, uh, two guys were outstanding. First of all, Zoran Dragic. I thought it was Goran actually playing. With the level of this performance, hitting three-pointers off the dribble, uh, fast break points, he was just flying on the court. So definitely Zoran Dragic deserves a mention in this one. And Mike Toby, Mike Toby once again delivers. Once again, he is showing that uh, at the moment, he's probably the best center in this tournament so far. So... Uh, props to Slovenia. They got what they deserved. They were the better team. Germany made a few comebacks especially in the second quarter when, when Maudolo showed those like Allen Iverson handles hitting a couple of jumpers after his crossovers and ankle breakers. Uh, but these were like just some little moments in the game. Throughout the 40 minutes, I think Germany, we saw what they are lacking at the moment. This is a good team. This is actually a good group of guys. I think next year they, have, uh, they are hosting the Eurobasket in Germany. They can be really good with the additions of like Dennis Schroeder, maybe Daniel Thais joining Maxi Kleber and some other players, uh, Moritz Wagner's younger brother, for example. But at this, at, at the moment, they don't have a true point guard. And you know, when when Isaac Bonga is organizing their, their positional plays, it doesn't look really good. He doesn't seem comfortable with uh, with playmaking. Maudelo, he's a combo guard. He's more of a scorer. Once again, I wouldn't say he's, he's a true point guard. And they didn't really have a true point guard. I think this was their number one problem in this game. And another thing is, of course, Slovenia, Slovenia they are on fire. Uh, they were not hitting uh, shots at a very high percentage, let's say, in the first half. But later in the game, Clement Prepolic made some buckets. 
Zoran Dragic as well. Other guys chipped in, and overall, it was another good team performance from Slovenia. Uh, they were the better team. Maybe this 20-point margin doesn't really reflect the whole game because the Germans were fighting. And finishing my thoughts, I want to say that in the third quarter, it was horrible refereeing. My God, those decisions. One referee forgot the backcourt violation rules after Prepolic uh, tipped the rebound. Then there were these technical fouls out of nowhere. I didn't understand the unsportsmanlike foul on Jakob Lajic. They didn't call some out-of-bounds plays correctly. They missed a few traveling violations. It was horrible refereeing in the third quarter. However, the better team won. And for me, it was kind of like a question mark whether Germans can contain Slovenia for 40 minutes, whether Isaac Bonga and Niels Gifai can stop Luka Doncic a little bit. Well, probably they couldn't. Well, they what did. Uh, they did actually up to some point in a surprising um, scale, I guess, um, because Slovenians were kind of in panic in first first quarter, maybe in first half. But what I see about Slovenia is every time we see them, we learn something about them. Maybe they learn something about them too. Uh, we saw them playing against Spain and Spain were disrupting their main passing channels, their main, main offensive schemes and uh, they found solutions. So they're an adaptable team and they have offensive variety. So we know that. And Germans, oh God, they started like really, really tough. One could tell that they were coming from an Australian and Nigerian group because they learned how to fight and they they showed this one. And Slovenians were a little bit disturbed, um, including Likodoncic. But then they again, once once again, they responded toughness with toughness. And I like that. So um, I think Slovenia is um, um, a final material. They have the final material. So I'm really, really impressed. But the German team is also very well prepared. They know their strengths. They know what to do. And Maudolo, my man, what were he he's doing with, with those three pointers? He, I think, made uh, 40% from uh, three, point, three, three pointers. So um, some days he was bad, but some days, including Slovenian Italian game, he was like crazy. And he's rarely that good, actually, in EuroLeague games. He's not really consistent. But for the national team, we saw what he did. They didn't have Dennis Schroeder, so he kind of stepped up. I forgot to mention actually Luka Doncic making some big defensive plays this time because uh, they were switching on defense and there were moments when he had to face those taller guys like Wagner or, or Feutmann and he really stopped them. There were some blocks, there were some great defensive uh, plays from Luka. Orazio, do you have anything to add about this this game? Uh, I, yeah, I, I agree with you guys. Like, I believe that in the end, the better team won. Uh, Germany did a pretty good job, especially in the first half. They limited Slovenia. You know, they were able to, to stay there, to stay close in the game. But in the second half, you know, it was much more difficult with, uh, for them because they don't have, uh, with this current version, they don't have enough firepower. You know, when Maudolo is not scoring, they don't have other really good offensive options. You know, they didn't have much from Voigtman uh, and they didn't have much from Wagner. So it was difficult. And uh, for Slovenia, once again, you know, Dragic played a, a, a huge role. It was fantastic. And uh, Mike Toby, once again, he provided with uh, offensively and defensively, he did a, a fantastic job. 
So I believe that Germany, you know, will come back next uh, next year with uh, if they will have more depth, you know, with other guys coming from the NBA. This will be a nice team because already in this version they are a dangerous team, especially in some moments. They just need to be a little bit more deep and a little bit more consistent. Uh, but yeah, I believe that in the end, the better team won. Yeah, I think this is a good wrap up for this first quarterfinal. Then moving to the second one, Spain against the United States. There was a lot of hype about this game. The last game, as we know, know now for, for Gazal brothers playing for the Spanish national team, some ups and downs in this game. First half was really different from the second one. Uygar, how do you see this one? First of all, it was a little bit um, bad luck because this game just came after Karstan Warholm world record. Uh, and that's crazy, crazy race. So you cannot uh, raise the bar anymore. So it was a little bit um, tough for me to start the game. But Spain, as I expected, uh, started with good defense. Uh, that was the chance that they could um, create for themselves against USA um, because USA sh- obviously uh, have some fragility in their offenses and their defenses. And these kind of teams that manage to disrupt the, the general place there, I mean, they can put them, uh, their opponents from the comfort zone. So Spain did this well in the beginning. And uh, I said, okay. Uh, is this the time that Sergio Yul, uh, Rudy Fernandez, um, Ricky Rubio, Gasols, and that uh, playing group finally win something against USA? Because interestingly, USA lost some games in near history, let's say, um, maybe not in the Olympics, but um, so these guys never had their chance. Uh, but of course, USA had Kevin Durant. And what I see about USA is um more they are playing, I think they are uh, remembering themselves, remembering, or let's say, um, acclimatization, is that the word? So they're getting used to playing with each other and Kevin Durant is in the leading role again. He's shooting very well. Actually, there was a turning point um, in the end of the second quarter, I guess. And Spain was in control. I guess there was a difference uh, like 11. And then um, Kevin Durant made a very tough three-pointer. And then um, Draymond Green, he he was not uh, in the game for, for a long time, but then suddenly Popovich um, remembered him and put him. Uh, beforehand, Osman Garuba and Willy Hernan Gomez was dominating the boards, and they were, they were like a nightmare in the restricted area. Ricky Rubio was bullying Jason Tatum. Can you believe that? I mean, he... Spain was really coming um, uh, very tough. But then um, that momentum change um, kind of turned uh, everything. Then Kevin Durant um, made that dunk, very demonstrative dunk. Then the third quarter started and suddenly Spain's disruptive defense, which had really unpredictable uh, double teams, turned against them. Because those double teams, which we can summarize like a 3-2 um, defensive formation is actually, we talk clever in the middle, is actually a little bit dangerous. They look synchronized, but when you are spacing well, when you pass the ball very well, um, it's dangerous and uh, it can give the other team, your opponent, some open shots. 
At one point, USA didn't shoot very well from three-pointers. Um, I think they just made three three-pointers until the end of, yeah, 15 uh, out of 15, only three were successful uh, towards the end of the first half. Then Kevin Durant um, sent three three-pointers in cons- consecutive uh, manner, end of the first half, then start of the second half. So that changed everything. USA started to believe themselves again. They were shooting very well. Bam Adebayo made their short rolls and he started scoring and everything went well. Zach Levine came in and they finished the game um, without uh, Damian Lillard, which was interesting. But, well, <laughs> the last word is um, Richie Rubio. I mean, what was that? His NBA career high is 34 points and he has he had scored 38 points again, U.S., and um, that was really unpredictable. I mean, Oscar Schmidt's 31 points, Butch Lee's 35 points, uh, the Puerto Rican guy, um, Manu Ginobili's um, 29 points, Paul Gasol's 29 points. None of them uh, topped Ricky Rubio's 38 points. So that was uh, that was really nice to see. Um, Kevin Durant also scored 29 points, and his four three pointers were really crucial. Yeah, Rick Rubio was actually carrying this team because if not for his miracles, I think this would have been a blowout, like 20 or 30 points margin, but Ricky was really amazing. It's just that he did not have an, a lot of help. Rudy no. Fernandez couldn't hit anything. Sergio Yule, you saw that he doesn't have as that much energy Power. in his legs anymore. Remember yeah. that moment when he, he had a switch with Bam Adebayo and he tried to attack him? He just could not do anything against Bam. Bam, of course, he's a super athletic, uh, modern-day center. Uh, Finishing about Ricky Rubio, on top of everything, he also blocked Bam on the bio, protecting the rim. Wow, that (laughs) That was just something amazing. But really, the, the Americans in the second half, they came with more aggressiveness, I think, on defense. They were going for steals, for passing lanes, more fast break points. They were more concentrated i would say in the second half and they just they just managed to break the game when when the shots started falling and some great ball movement actually it has to be said they played some really beautiful basketball you mentioned those short rolls by bama de bio so from from this the ball movement starts and then they are swinging it around the three-point line and finding an open shooter whether it's lavine tatum durant or some other guy so it was great to watch popovich actually answered about uh, Damian Lillard sitting on a bench, he said that he really liked the energy of Drew Holiday, so therefore he trusted him. And Holiday in this Olympic tournament, he is really stepping up for Team USA. And the Gazal brothers, they could not help the team because the, uh, the game was so athletic and so fast-paced. The quickness of Americans, it was too much for, for Pau and, and Mark, and they had to sit on a bench. Scariolo had to go with, with Billy and and Garuba, and it was kind of a sad ending for, for the Gazal brothers with the national team, don't you think, uh, Horacio? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, you know, this wasn't the right game for them. You know, there was too much athleticism, too much energy for them at this point in their careers. You know, this wasn't just the right game for them. Uh, as you said, Scariolo needed to use more Usman, Garuba, and, and William and Gomez because the level of physicality, you know, it wasn't the right for uh, for Gasol, for both Gasol brothers. 
And, you know, for, for the United States, I think it's really interesting that so far, you know, now that they are playing better compared to the preparation games before the Olympics and the, the beginning of the group. Uh, but so far, you know, both Lillard and Jason Tatum, you know, they they haven't been exactly great in this tournament so far. They haven't been really great performances. And despite that, they're still playing at a very good level. Uh, I, I believe that, especially for the Lillard case, I don't know if it's the right fit for the FIBA basketball in this kind of tournament. I believe that Drew Holiday is a much better point guard for them in this kind of contest. Uh, of course, Damien is a is a very talented player. He has so many, you know, so many points in his hands. But so far, he hasn't really impressed me much with the with his game. And that's I think that also speaks of how talented the United States the United States team is because. When you think about it, Lillard is not playing great. Tatum is not playing great. But despite that, they are in the semifinal. They're still playing at a very good level of basketball because at the end of the day, they are a very deep team because you can have, for example, Draymond Green not playing for 10, 15 minutes straight. And then you send them in and he changes the defensive presence of the team. So they are very, they are, they are very a very very difficult team to beat. Yeah, and I have to give a shout out to both Draymond and Bam. They are doing some amazing things on defense, playing that five position and switch all defense. They are great, whether it's in the paint or they have to cover the perimeter. Both have very quick feet, super athletic, and uh, it's a good choice for Greg Popovich to trust them at the five position because, as we remember, the very first game against France. He started with Bam at the bio at center and Draymond at four, but then he switched Kevin Durant to four and, and Draymond and Bam started playing uh, at five and it really works better for them. Uh, maybe Spain could have stayed in the game a little bit more if Victor Claver hadn't missed those layups. He missed like three consecutive layups in the third quarter, but these are just details. So overall, yeah. the Americans were, were better against this veteran team and it has to be said and and they're moving forward towards their goal for for. For gold medal. Uh, so let's move to the third quarter final. And Orazio, even though it hurts a little bit probably for you, but still, what are your thoughts? France, Italy, Italians actually played great. They stayed in the game. They fought. Fontecchio was amazing. Gallinari made some big buckets, but it was not enough. They couldn't handle the size of Rudy Gobert and, and Fall and, and all these guys. Yeah, uh, the, I believe that Italy, you know, played a a very solid game, you know. I think that also uh, only in the third quarter they they had issues because the, the 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 defensive intensity of France was really difficult to handle for them. But in the rest of the game, they were really really good. They were always close, uh, but they always missed something, you know. Especially you know today, the three point shooting wasn't really good. They finished with twenty three percent, if I remember correctly. Uh, and you know when the when the shots from outside don't fall in, it's a problem for Italy because they don't have, of course, enough presence inside. And uh, especially against a team like France with Gobert, with Poirier, with Fall, but also you know with the wings, ba Batum is a huge wing. He played a fantastic game. Batum was everywhere. He had a couple of blocks too on Simone Fontecchio. Uh, he played a really really good game. Uh, I think that Italy did the best that they could 
to to try to stay in the game in the game until the very end. Uh, in the final minutes, they missed a couple of shots that maybe could have changed the game, especially the the turnaround that Gallinari had inside, and he, he just couldn't finish. And uh, I have to say about Gallinari, uh, he, he had a fantastic game despite the fact that his condition just wasn't there. He had no energy. He had no legs. He had this knee bother him the entire tournament, so it was very difficult for him to to get into into the game. Despite that, he played really good. He finished with 21 points. Uh, he was one of the best uh, in the game. But again, France was just too much in, in some situation, you know, uh, with their uh, inside presence. But also, you know, uh, in the um, in the backcourt, they Ertel played really well. Uh, Decolo did his thing. And uh, it was just too much for Italy at this point. Yeah, Fournier, obviously, he's their best scorer. Uh, even Luvavuka Baro hit a big three-pointer, even though he was not having a good game. He fouled Fontecchio twice on a three-point shot. Um, but really, there was some stress for France because they lost their lead and then it went to the last minutes and it it was like a 50-50 game. Who makes a good play and who doesn't? So, uh, of course, they found guys who stepped up. They had those good pick and rolls with, with Rudy Gobert at the end. Uh, Thomas Hurtel feeding him. Uh, Gobert actually hitting clutch free throws, which surprised me. Yes. I really I really said I was covering the game. I said, if he hits one, it's very good for France. But these two were clean free throws, two for Rudy Gobert. And these were, I think it made a five-point difference for them. And it was... Too difficult for the Italians to catch them. I agree with you that this Italy team, they actually this summer did more than was expected by winning the qualifying tournament and then qualifying as a second-seeded team from this very difficult group. And they almost beat Australia, actually. And in this quarterfinal, gave everything. It was one of the better tournaments for Italians, I think, in a long time. Yeah. So playing without a real center... This has to be said. They, they were lacking size, and and you saw you see the size in this French team. And I have a question for you, Igar. Um, Nico Mannion was sort of a guy we saw blossoming this summer. Do you think that perhaps in this game we also saw that he still has a lot to learn on this big stage? Oh, maybe yes, but um, I wouldn't put too much blame on him. Uh, but this Italian team is on general. It's an adorable team, I think. Um, after 2004, Athens, um, I think Italians are pretty happy with their team. I loved uh, Nick, how Nico Mannion just adapted in, the, in this team and how Mayor Sacchetti managed to bring all these parts together. I mean, look at Simone uh, Fontecchio. He played a very, very compact tournament in defense and offense. Um, Gallinari, uh, one thing that I liked about Gallinari in this tournament is he didn't try to get beyond his role he liked his role and he tried to play his role which is very respectable because beforehand it was not like this um there are, there are so many things to say about this italian team but i don't want to go into that much detail but i love the also the coaching little adjustment like alessandro paola playing on um evan fournier in the in the beginning of the game so paola is obviously a very aggressive defender and it was uh, good to see those matchups, and yeah, I, I felt for the Italians, but France is a little bit much tough for them to beat. Yeah, 
probably they're stronger and probably they are a team that is has a better chance at beating and stopping Slovenia, I would say. They have more instruments playing against Luka Doncic, but let's not go into that right now. Uh, Horacio, just a quick question. How much credit would you give uh, to Coach Sacchetti for, for what the Italian team has done this summer? I'll give him a lot because, you know, before the qualifying tournament in Belgrade, there were really no high expectation on this team. You know, the level of hope was was really low. And there were also these rumors in, in the Federation, in the Italian Federation, that the Federation was already looking for a new coach because basically everyone expected that uh, the qualifying tournament was set to be a failure. And that uh, would have been Sacchetti's last tournament with the national team. But in the end, they played fantastic in the, in the, in the qualifying tournament. He created this uh, environment in which everyone contributed, even if just a few minutes coming off the bench. Uh, they played great defense. Uh, uh, they, um, they shared the offensive responsibilities So I think that in the end, he created a really nice system. Uh, he already got uh, an extension of his contract until the Eurobasket of next, of next year. So I'll give him a lot of credit. I think that this summer he did a, he did a very good job. Right. So this was definitely the most dramatic quarterfinal today. And the last one was the least dramatic, I would say. The Australians really crushed Team Argentina crushed some hearts probably there some players seemed heartbroken Campazzo was in tears obviously the moment with Luis Cola and and everyone just applauded him and his whole career probably now we will go into that a little bit later but just talking about the game at the very beginning it seemed like Facu Campazzo had like eight cans of Red Bull and he started the game with this crazy tempo but then he was gone Really, he was just making turnovers. He seemed nervous. He lost the plot. La Provitola, we know he's not really a consistent player. Sometimes he can make shots, but sometimes he can be pretty chaotic. And, and Argentina were never really in control of, 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 of the tempo or anything in this game besides the first quarter when they started pretty, pretty well. But the Australians showed their quality. First of all, on defense, they did a lot of good things. Um, they were very physical. We know that this Argentinian team is not the most physical, actually. Uh, this in this tournament, they they are having they were having problems with three-point shooting from the very first game, missing some open shots, but also some not very good shooters attacking, like Gabriel Deck. He's not that much of a spot-up shooter, and they just had problems. Controlling Paddy Mills, as everybody does in the Olympics. Paddy Mills and his first step, it's something to, to admire. Uh, I really liked, let's say, Matisse Teibel, what he brought to this game. And in the third quarter, it was all about Dante Exum, actually. He made those big plays. He then opened free, that dunk with a foul. And I believe what Campazzo did in this moment is should have been an unsportsmanlike foul because he really hit uh, Mati Seibel uh, to the head. Uh, so there's not much to be said, actually, because Australia was better in any component of the game. 33 assists, 
the, the ball movement, the teamwork on defense, the rotations on defense in the second half, I think it was a defensive masterclass actually from Australia and they deserve to be in the semis. And I, I am really looking forward to see what they can offer against Team USA. It's just a pity that there's no Aaron Baines because he would be a big presence in the paint in this particular game. But let's focus then, guys, a little bit, first of all, on, on, on Luis Cola, his achievements, his career, and the way he... He was applauded in the, in the end of this game by everybody, by the Australians, by his teammates, by his coaching staff. Uh, Uygar, did you shed a tear at that moment? <laughs> well, I, I uh, shed my tears at 2010 World Championships, which I thought that Luis Colas was kind of uh, last days of uh, <laughs> his so contribution. years ago. <laughs> yeah, Argentinian <laughs> team. And it was a crazy individual show. But now here we are. I mean, what what can I say more? I'm amazed. Yeah, and listen, he's an Olympic champion. He has the bronze from Beijing, and and he still found motivation inside him to go into these Olympics. And he was actually pretty e- e- efficient in in offense, except from this game because Australians are so tough. Orazio, do you have any words? About Scola, about Mills, about Australia, anything about this game? Because uh, really, it was not a close one. So just, I'm trying to get some words from you guys. Yeah, no, it, it wasn't a close game, of course. Uh, about Scola, uh, I mean, th- there's not really much to say. Uh, it's unbelievable that a player of his age, you know, is still found, he still finds that kind of fire to to go on because. There are a lot of players that, that they try to play until they are in their 40s, 38, 39, 40. But they're just not good at, at that point of their careers. Scola is still a very efficient player, despite the fact that he's 41. Uh, in, in Serie A, in Italy last season, he was one of the best scorers of the league, despite his age and uh, the, despite you know the, the kilometers that he had during his career. So... It's unbelievable. Hats off to him. He has been an absolute incredible player throughout his entire career. About the game, there's not really much to say. Australia was the better team, clearly. Uh, I expected since the beginning of the tournament that they were going for a medal uh, because they are one of the best teams out there. Of course, against the United States is going to be a very difficult game, especially because Baines is not there. So there's going to be a little bit less physicality inside. But they are a really good team. For me, you know, they were, since the beginning, they were uh, a potential candidate to reach the final. So, of course, I'm not surprised that they are there. And it's going to be a very fun game to watch against the United States. Yeah, it will be interesting to see whether Paddy Mills can continue his impressive scoring against Drew Holiday, an elite defender, whether Holiday and, and his teammates can stop Paddy a little bit because Olympic Paddy Mills is not a myth. It has been a sensation since the Beijing Olympics in 2008. And since then, playing for Australia, he is really he's really a beast. He may not have a good season in San Antonio, but then he goes to, to to the national team in the summer and he is doing all these good things. He's a quick shooter. His decision-making, he never stops, actually. When he's moving without the ball, his, his movement off the ball is something that any young basketball player can learn from because he never stops and he's always 
making these moves moves to really disrupt the defense. So yeah, Paddy Mills, I'm cheering for him every time he's playing for Australia. And really, I'm looking forward to see how Australians will match up against Team USA. So listen, I think it was a it was a good discussion about the quarterfinals. It was really fun talking to you guys and. Probably we're going to have another session after the semis and we will have a lot more answers then. I'm really excited. These four teams, they deserve to be here. We will see some quality basketball. So, Horacio, Wigar, thank you guys. And till the next time. Thanks. Thank you. you. We'll see you next time.